night. Welcome to the Cypher podcast. This podcast covers cybersecurity news, trends, and concepts. My name is Bill Bowman, and I am the Director of Marketing for Cypher in North America. The topic for today's episode is securing the Active Directory. So I'd first like to note that we are currently in Cybersecurity Awareness Month. The theme for the last week of the month is Cybersecurity First, and the message behind that is when you set up a new device or app, consider your security and privacy settings. Cybersecurity should not be an afterthought. So in line with that, Active Directory security should definitely not be an afterthought either. Nearly every computer that runs Windows has Active Directory. This structure helps organizations manage user identities, privileges, and much more. That same power that Active Directory has means that threat actors are often targeting it to execute and uh, attacks. So to discuss the topic today, we are, we are welcoming Christopher Keller, who is a senior security engineer at Tenable. Uh, over 30,000 organizations around the globe rely on Tenable to understand and reduce their cyber risk. They are the creator of the well-known Nessus tool, which is a leader in vulnerability assessments. And they also have a product for active directory security known as Tenable AD. So I want to welcome Chris. He comes to us from Philadelphia today. How, how are you doing, Chris? Doing well, Bill. Thanks for asking. Great, great. So yeah, to kick things off, you know, tell us, you know, how critical is Active Directory for IT environments? What for, for the for the non-technical folks out there, if there if there are any, you know, what, how is it used and what what is what's the purpose behind it? Sure. So I mean, at a high level, I mean it's used really to validate you are who you say you are. Right. So from when you authenticate to your computer, your applications, right, AD is really the, the, the system that is checking to prove that identity and allow you to access those resources, whether it be servers, apps, data on file shares. It's AD that's behind the scenes that's really checking that, that you are the person you say you are and validating that identity. So it's extremely critical to IT environments simply because right, we want to make sure that our, our data is secure, the right people have access to it, the, the, the people who are accessing it have the proper permissions, and AD is the system that really checks all that. And for the last 20 plus years, right, all the applications that we've been using and leveraging really leverage AD for, for checking that and, and validating the, those identities and, and properties and permissions. So it's, it's extremely critical. Uh, it's really the backbone of, mod, of IT infrastructure for the most part. And I guess in, in recent, recent years, or maybe more than recent years, it's single sign-on has become more of a, a thing. So is Active Directory it's becoming more and more important, that authentication function? It is. And I mean, it's kind of twofold there because there are other applications, right? Identity and access management platforms, identity governance platforms that will handle some of the authentication as well, whether it's single sign-on, pass-through auth, uh, so on and so forth. But the, the key there is a lot of those solutions integrate with AD, right? Because we don't want to create multiple identities for our users. The last thing we want to do is complicate matters and, and prevent people from being able to do their jobs because they have multiple accounts or multiple logins that they need to use. So with AD and these other identity access management platforms, right, they've really used what we call federated identity, right? And focus on synchronizing that one single 
uh, user account that comes from on-premises Active Directory, but then extend that out to other services. So your Octas, your uh, Azure ADs of the world, right? They synchronize that identity with, uh, with on-premises AD so that a user doesn't have multiple accounts they have to manage. So it's, it's very important, even in these days of kind of trying to take that identity away from AD, uh, it's still very much in use, right? And they're still very much dependent on what systems have been there for years and who those users are in order to then validate, right? Again, uh, I keep saying it, but it's proving that identity, proving that authorization and access and making sure that uh, only the right people have the right access to the right resources. Gotcha. So it's, it's definitely that the foundation is still uh, AD. For the most part. Environments. Yeah, for, for the most part. I mean, there are businesses that are trying to get away from it. There are businesses that may be uh, trying to move all their apps to SaaS only and can get away with using an identity access management platform as kind of their backbone. But it's still very difficult because we still run legacy apps, right? We still have a lot of uh, dependencies on on-premises AD in order to facilitate that identity. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it, it's it's very ubiquitous. So what are, what are the common mistakes that, you know, your everyday admin might make when setting up AD or when, you know, when running AD? It's such a, a common thing. I'm sure there's a lot of use cases out there and a lot of um, potential complications in configuring and setting it up. Well, there are. And it's, um, it's funny kind of how you phrase that, right? Because there's not many environments today where you're standing up AD from scratch, right? These are legacy environments that have been in place for 15, 20 years. So you're not just inheriting kind of what changes are happening today or yesterday, but you're inheriting changes or settings that were configured 15 years ago. Wow. Yeah. And sec- security was kind of an afterthought or back then, right? It's really just, hey, I have my network. I'm kind of inside these four walls, right? How do I protect my resources internally? And you're not thinking about connections to external networks or SaaS applications or work from home, right? It was very much uh, kind of the perimeter-based kind of uh, approach. So security within AD was is kind of an afterthought. They're focused on endpoint protection, focused on antivirus, focused on firewalls, right? But not necessarily the security within. So that's kind of the first thing to kind of take into account is that a lot of these environments have had AD in place for 15, 20 years. There are a lot of settings or a lot of things that may no longer exist, but yet are still there, right? Whether it's uh, accounts that were never disabled, whether it's uh, SPNs that were set up for SQL servers 15 years ago that no longer exist or no longer in use. And a lot of times these artifacts aren't cleaned up, right? So that's kind of the first, first thing to keep in mind there is that we're not always just talking about kind of the changes or the environments as they sit today. We're talking about what kind of legacy debt is sitting inside those environments that could be exploited as well. Now, for kind of day-to-day changes, right? there's a lot of things that can kind of go unnoticed, right? So settings on computers, for example, if we're standing up new servers that have improper delegation settings enabled, right? That's a target for an attacker. Uh, I see a lot of times we have um, user accounts get provisioned automatically through identity and access management platforms. And sometimes they get enabled with a UAC setting that um, essentially doesn't require a password. Right, so there's a flag in the UAC that's called password not required. And a lot of times this flag isn't reset as that account is provisioned. So technically, right, anybody with administrative privileges could reset that, pa- that user's password to a blank value. 
right? So from an attacker perspective, if they are able to elevate privilege, they can go back and start to reset these passwords and enable them to be blank, right? Which makes their job a lot easier. So that's that's something I see that's very common in the environments we go into, right, and analyze. Uh, as I mentioned, delegation settings are always, always um, very kind of touchy in, in a way because from a best practices perspective, none of our admin accounts should be delegated, right? And delegation, when I, there's a couple of ways that Windows defines delegation, right? There's the ability to give permissions to a user who may not be inside of an administrative group. So like you're delegating the ability for them to maybe reset a password okay, or right. to add a user to the domain, right? But then there's also delegation settings in the sense that it allows you to impersonate a user right, to another service. So for example, if you have something like a, a web server that needs to write to a SQL backend, right, you're not connecting to both devices, you connect to the web server, and then that server can then delegate or impersonate you when it writes to the database as you. So you're giving that device the ability to take your identity and pass it elsewhere which can be dangerous, especially from the admin perspective, because if somebody gets control of that device, that the way it works is that it caches a copy of the user's ticket in memory. So if they're, that's a compromised device, now an attacker can very quickly get a service ticket from that admin account and then either pass it, so pass the ticket attack, right? Or they could take that ticket and try to take it offline and crack it because it's encrypted with the hash of their clear text password. Right. So it becomes a risk. And it's something that we kind of goes overlooked because it's not very commonly known. Right. There's others, uh, common mistakes around. Uh, I mentioned kind of the password settings. Uh, the Another one we see all the time, right, is uh, SPNs for privileged accounts. Right. This is something that as you're standing up servers and the service requires a service principal name. And if it's assigned to a privileged account, it becomes a very easy target for a Kerber roasting attack. So these are just some of the kind of high level ones, right? But there's there's a lot of misconfigurations, a lot of weak settings that we see uh, within AD that are ripe targets for attackers to uh, essentially try to then uh, attack those accounts, right? Be these means in an effort to escalate privilege. So the the weak settings are often the the entry point or the the, the gateway that threat actors can use to gain to gain access and, and movement into the systems. Is that's typically the um, so-called kill chain or the, the attack chain uh, using Active Directory? Exactly, and Active Directory really gives them that ability, right? Because it was designed to be an open book in that the systems need to know who everybody is, who has access to what, so they're able to validate, right? And, and give access to the, to the people that need to have it. And by default, it was designed that really any user can query a lot of this information. Now, they're not able to get like privileged access or anything like that by default. But what they can do is start to enumerate the settings right, that we're talking about. Right? They can look up like who has access to what or who's in specific groups. Or they can look up the domain information and find the SPNs that are out there. Right? You don't need any elevated privilege to be able to gather and do your initial reconnaissance inside of AD. Right? And then as you kind of go along the kill chain, Right, once they gather and enumerate all that information, right, then they're finding their targets and they're going after their targets. So whether they brute force them or they use a couple of the kind of attacks I just mentioned, right, around Kerberos thing or pass the ticket, pass the hash, uh, that's kind of in the next stage, right, where they're they're trying to find those higher privileged accounts so that they can continue their pursuit down the line. 
right? And once they have admin accounts, then they're able to start to evade, right? They're able to turn off existing defenses like an EDR where they can turn off like logging to the SIM. So now in essence, right, they're kind of ha hanging in the shadows and able to do things with higher privilege and really being able to kind of escape your traditional, uh, the cameras that you're using to watch them, right? So carrying on, right, then the next thing they want to do is make sure they don't lose their that they don't lose their foothold inside the environment. So they create backdoors and persistence mechanisms. And whether that's just installing malware or modifying objects like the admin SD holder or giving themselves permissions to very privileged objects like domain controllers or uh, even the domain root itself, right? They're able to do that. And then lastly, right, at that point, once they have what they need, uh, whether they're exfiltrating data out of your organization or uh, they, they have all their backdoors set up, Typically, that's when we see things like ransomware being deployed, right? And they're using Active Directory to do that as well, right? So it's kind of a, Interesting. it's kind of very important, right? Because uh, group policy is a big part of Active Directory that we haven't even touched on yet, which is really the ability to manage devices and users at the at the kind of organizational level, right? So rather than having to go and make modifications on each and every device, you can just deploy a policy and it will take care of all those devices inside that OU. Right. So what they can do is essentially put ransomware inside a logon script, deploy that to all your endpoints. And as soon as that computer boots up, that's when it locks out. So that's that's kind of the methods right, and tactics they're using as they kind of go along that pursuit, uh, or if we want to say the kill chain, right, as they, they kind of follow that path and uh, what we see from kind of a just an attack overview. Yeah, that's an interesting element of... The Active Directory, when I think of, you know, ransomware, I think of phishing emails, someone clicks a phishing email, oh, they get ransomware, but there's uh, other mechanisms that the, the ransomware payload can be deployed, and, and I guess Active Directory is a, is a primary one. Absolutely, yeah. I think, I mean, we commonly think that's the case, right? Somebody clicks on a phishing link and they're, they're locked out, right? They get the message on their screen saying, hey, you owe X amount of Bitcoin, yeah. right, to, <laughs> to get your data back. But that's just that nowadays, that's not really how it works. Right? They're, they're looking specifically for, uh, the, like the, one of the first things modern ransomwares do is they check to see if you're connected to a domain. If you're not connected to a domain, it shuts off. It hits the kill switch, right? It's not even going to try to, Right, not worth it for them because exactly right it's a, there's nothing there for them right they want to target a corporate network they want to be able to find and identify higher value targets and get that data because that's that's ultimately what they're looking for and by the time we actually figure out there's ransomware inside the environment it's already too late because they've been in there for a long time right it may be weeks it may be months it could be years right we've seen it happen in kind of the attacks in the news Right around like, OK, well, <laughs> how long were they actually in there before anybody found out? And sometimes it's scary to, to hear how long it's really been. A lot of persistence in the <laughs> in the system. So, um, yeah, that was a that was a great kind of look at Active Directory, the threats. So t if you can tell me a little bit about Tenable AD, you know, what what capabilities does it have beyond default management tools? So I guess kind of to start out what, without using a system like Tenable the capabilities to manage and uh, monitor and provision the active directory is kind of built into windows. Is that kind of the, um, the default settings? So for the most part, I mean, you have a lot of tools built into windows, but then there's a lot of solutions that have kind of been built to make those better. Right. And I think that's the entire kind of 
IT ecosystem is making the, the Windows operating system right, from a manageability perspective better. And whether that's your SIM, whether that's endpoint management software, whether that's deployment software, right, it's all about just making our job easier to manage these large uh, areas of devices right, and large directories and so on and so forth. So from a common kind of today, I mean, a lot of organizations we talk to um, that are kind of still using the default tools. They're not just using kind of Windows tools, but they're using auditing tools. They're using tools to collect event logs from the domain controllers to do that auditing and governance and making sure that right it, there's no malicious events going on. Uh, there's also um, capabilities or right, the people doing risk assessments, if you will, right? And, basically using PowerShell scripts or other utilities to try and find weak spots, right? So kind of taking that uh, attacker point of view and enumeration and going and looking and seeing if you have anything like de uh, devices with unconstrained delegation or admin accounts that are being delegated or uh, Kerberos double SPNs, right? And it's again, very easy to do just using PowerShell queries. Now where 10 AD comes into play is that what we wanted to do was give you a solution that was continuously providing insight into AD. Because a lot of times the assessments that are done are done at a point in time, right? So okay. we run our assessment, we kind of come in, build this big report and tell you, hey, here's all your weaknesses and here's what you need to fix. But that data is only as good as it was the, the minute you ran those, those queries. Because in that time, right, there could have been changes made that either would positively impact security or negatively impact security. So where our point of view is, hey, we want to give you this information in a continuous manner, right? Be able to not just give you an initial risk assessment, which we do, right? We tell you, hey, these are all the weaknesses that we found kind of on our first pass. But instead of doing scans or kind of like every six to 12 months doing an assessment, right? Anytime a change is made that will negatively impact the security of the environment, you're going to get an alert, right? So within seconds of a change being made that could be at the attribute level, could be at the permissions level, could be at the device level, we're going to tell you exactly what that problem is and how to fix it. So it's more than just your traditional assessment. It's more than just your traditional auditing, because if you're just auditing, all you're getting is kind of the results of what, what a change was, right? But then it's up to you to kind of translate what the what impact that change had? Was it a security issue? Do I need to go in and fix it? So on and so forth. So it's still important to have those auditing tools, right? Because they can help you kind of parse through the event logs in a much quicker manner. But rather than taking the approach of just auditing event logs, right? Tenable AD is looking at it from a different lens, right? Rather than using just those security event logs on the DC, we're actually interacting with the DCs at the replication level. So as all the DCs are pushing their changes out to stay in sync, right, we're communicating with them at that level, finding out what attributes are being modified, and then running that through a security analysis in real time. And that security analysis is going to tell you very quickly, hey, this attribute changed and it impacted the security. It's now, right, uh, you now have a deviant object, as we call it, for this specific risk indicator. And then as you go through the console and you read through what that is, we're also giving you information around, okay, what's the overview of this? How does an attacker leverage this setting right, to, to attack you, right? Why is it weak? And then we also talk about how, why it's important, what it's used for. And then on top of that, how it can be secured and actually provide recommendations around how you take these issues and fix them inside your environment. 
Now, what we don't do is automate the fixes because the last thing, there's two primary reasons for that. Right? The first reason is everybody's environment is different. Right? We can't go in and, and pretend like every single AD environment is exactly the same. So if we were just going and automating changes, right, we may break things and take down your business. And if you're down for, if you're running a large like multinational business and we take you down, I mean, look at Facebook, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that would not be a good, a good outcome. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I mean, that wasn't AD related, but still, I right. mean, DNS is still, like, it's a very important integral part, right? And I mean, how much market value did they lose in just six hours of being down? So, I mean, if we were making those changes for you and, and not really taking into account your own individual like uh, business and what needed to be there, right, that could be dangerous. The other reason we don't do it is because we don't want to be another threat vector, right? Because if we're now providing privileged access into Active Directory uh, and showing you exactly where all the weaknesses are, and that's that's the holy grail for an attacker, right? So that's the first account they're going to target is the privileged tenable yeah. AD account because that's right, that's now telling them not only where all the holes are, right, but that's that that would have to run with very high privileges in order to be able to make those changes. So we took the approach of we don't want to use privileges, right? We don't want to use agents, right? Because no AD admin wants to put another agent on their domain controller. And we want to do this, right, read-only and in real time. So it's it's really from a solution perspective, right, hits all those marks in that an AD admin, right, he's okay with us not putting an agent on their DC, right? The, the security side of the house is okay with not giving us a privileged account, right? But the visibility that it gives both sides is, is extremely important because, Security doesn't always have visibility into AD, and they're not the same teams in most cases, right? You have your operational team that are kind of handling the changes on a day-to-day basis, and your security team providing guidance and oversight, but they don't have the direct view into where the risk is. So we want to give security the view into the risk, but the AD operational team the view into, okay, this is what the changes were, and if these changes were had any type of negative impact. So it really is a for both sides of the house versus just being a strictly a security solution. Okay, so you get the you get the visibility and that stuff without any extra risk or any extra you know complications on the uh, security side. So that's yeah, that was a great great overview and look at a tenable AD. So for for anyone out there who's you mentioned you know Active Directory ADs have maybe been around for 10, 15 years at certain organizations with unknown auditing and unknown changing in the past. You know what, if you were to talk to an administrator who hasn't really addressed their active directory security in a serious manner, you know, in years, what, you know, what would you say the first steps would be for them to, you know, get on the path towards, you know, having, having some security, having more security in this respect? Yeah, I mean, uh, specifically, I'd ask them to check when the last time some of their very highly privileged passwords have been rotated, right? because <laughs> in some cases, cases like the KRB TZT account, right? So at high level, that's the that's the God account inside of AD, right? That's what it's not even activated, but yet that's what the, that's what's used for Kerberos authentication, right? To basically prove everything out, and that's a ticket. That's a target of like a golden ticket attack, right? If they if an attacker gets access to that account. 
it's it's lights out. So there's recommendations from Microsoft. Exactly. Right. And there's recommendations from Microsoft. Right. It's typically like 180 days, some say 360. But in essence, right, you don't want to let that go over a year. Right. So you want to keep that in kind of constant check. And the same thing with uh, privileged service accounts. Right. There's a lot of really good functionality that's been built into AD natively over the last maybe 10 years, right? Starting with Server 2008 and then Server 2012. Uh, there's a lot of good functionality in there, things like protected users group, right? Or GMSAs, so group managed service accounts that uh, help automate the password rotation on these privileged accounts and make it very, and they also, right? Because with like Kerberos thing, for example, right? What the attackers do is they take that ticket offline and uh, if that password never expires, they have infinite amount of time to crack that that password. But if that password rotates every 25 days or 30 days and it's 20 plus characters long, it's going to be very difficult for an attacker to crack that in time before it rotates. So just using best practices around rotating your service account passwords. Now, we know it's difficult sometimes because there's legacy apps that kind of are very finicky and right, you don't want to risk breaking them. But in essence, right, that's that's a good best practice to take into account is let's let's make sure we're rotating these passwords. Let's make sure that we have good hygiene, that we're disabling accounts no longer in use. We're going back and cleaning up old objects. We're using things like LAPS, which is uh, local pass local account password management for your endpoints. Right, so just kind of going back and looking at the best practices, looking at some of the features and functionality that Microsoft has put into AD over the last couple iterations or domain functional levels and making sure we're, we're following those best practices, right? You don't necessarily kind of taking my approach out of this and having a tool that's continuously telling you where all the issues are. Right? It's just a matter of kind of making sure we're keeping things clean because we talked in the outset, right? There's issues from 15, 20 years ago that still persist, but if we keep a handle of those, right? We don't want the issues from today becoming issues in five years. Definitely. So keep, keeping things clean, keeping a handle, keeping updated on the best practices and, you know, go, getting the extra, if you went the extra step with Tenable 80 to get that continuous monitoring would really give, give an organization full confidence in their active directory security. So yeah, that was, that was a great talk. Any final thoughts, Chris, before we, uh, before we wrap it up? Uh, no, I mean, I think, uh, I think I covered pretty much everything we wanted to cover in the conversation. Um, uh, but if, uh, I mean, obviously I'd like to talk to anybody that uh, finds interest in this conversation. So uh, I'm sure Bill will share contact information with us. So uh, looking forward to any subsequent conversations to come up and just really want to thank you for your time, Bill. Really appreciate the conversation and uh, it was great. Great combo. Most definitely. Most definitely, Chris. I want to thank you for your time as well. This has been very informative. Uh, more information on Tenable can be found at tenable.com. Uh, for any of our listeners who are interested in Cypher's services to include our managed security services, which, uh, which also work with Tenable, uh, please reach out to us via our marketing department, which we reached at marketing at cypher.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Thanks. <laughs>